part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now your co-host, MC Money, serving the Creepy Soccer Dad, and House Empty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money, joined here by Certain the Creepy Soccer Dad and Houts MD in the Miami Dolphins. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls are 2-0 to begin the 2018 season. That is one less than what Sports Illustrated predicted they would have this entire season. Sports Illustrated before the season saying they'd only win three games. Dolphins have won two in two games. So national media, we have a lot of explaining to do. Coming up over the next few weeks as the Dolphins hopefully continue to roll. The Dolphins win on Sunday over the Jets. Gave them their first 2-0 start under Adam Gase in their first time since 2013 when Miami started the season 3-0. Remember under Joe Philbin, started off 3-0, went into New Orleans and got knocked around like it was no one's business. And from there, they kind of flattered out. This is the 20th time in team history the Dolphins have opened the season 2-0. In the other 19 seasons, the Dolphins have made the playoffs 14 times, won their division eight times, won the AFC three times, and won the Super Bowl once. So history is on the Dolphins' side if you're looking for them to make the playoffs. It also marked the first time that Miami has won its first divisional game of the season since week one of the 2014 season when they defeated New England 33-20. to It is Miami's first road win over an AFC opponent, AFC East opponent, since December 24th, 2016 at Buffalo when they won 34-31. to We're going to recap all of the plays that changed the course of the game, the key moments. Houts and Sun are going to do a lot of talking with that. First one up here, the defining moment of the game was TJ McDonald's interception against Sam Darnold. And this was a really good play. TJ McDonald, the Dolphins had talked about leading up to this game how it's a rookie quarterback, and when there's a rookie quarterback going against veteran cornerbacks and, and other players, you can confuse them by disguising your coverage and then moving around uh, right before the snap and right after the snap, of course, to get into the right coverage. And it often confuses rookie quarterbacks, and the ones who could really figure it out are you know, the ones that are probably going to be really great, at least mentally. So TJ McDonald and CBS showed this on the replay. They showed TJ McDonald slipping off to the left, and then to the right, and then when the snap came, he was getting into his area, and Sam Darnold didn't pick it up at all. McDonald jumped the slant, almost returned it for a touchdown. A few plays later, Kenyon Drake runs it in for a touchdown, and that put the Dolphins on the board for the first time and put them ahead. How's for you that moment in that game? You know, the, the Dolphins and Jets were going back and forth for a little to open up the game, and then that kind of set the wheels in motion for the Dolphins' offense. Yeah, and both offenses, they were kind of stymied there early on. They were struggling to get anything moving. And then Sam Darnold got picked off for the Jets' 46-yard line. I think it was the first quarter, and McDonald returned at 31 yards. Uh, he got down there. You saw Kenyon Drake then capitalize on a six-yard touchdown run. Uh, he Everything went right up front as far as the offensive line goes. Kenyon Drake made a few people miss, and he just ran into the end zone nearly untouched. So, I mean, it was a great overall play. Uh, my biggest thing that I take away from this is TJ McDonald. I mean, he kept talking during the offseason how he was improving his coverage skills. He seems to be better in coverage than he is, you know, up there in the box because he struggled there on the early Quincy Inunua, broke free on a screen pass, a couple missed tackles from McDonald. But his uh, improvement in the passing game really caught my eye early on this year. But for him to set up that Kenyon Drake touchdown run, it really got things going. And from there on, the Dolphins kind of just went with it. 
I would appear the Dolphins offense kind of did just enough to win this game. We're going to touch on that as we move forward here. But the Dolphins offense wasn't anything spectacular. They made a few plays here and there. Uh, they did what they had to do to stay ahead of the chains and to keep moving. But they weren't spectacular. They have a lot of things to clean up as we head into the Raiders matchup, which I will be at. And I am very excited about that. And there will be more information on that this coming week. But the defense really stepped up today. Uh, confusing Sam Darnold. Now, listen, Sam Darnold's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, the way he was moving around in the pocket, great footwork there. He, um, you know, just found, always looking downfield. Reminded me of a little of Josh McCown, right? When we talked last year on Finsider Radio, Josh McCown was always looking downfield, looking to attack. Sam Donald's the exact same way. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. He's going to take his lumps his rookie year, but as we move forward, it's going to be a great battle. Uh, the Dolphins' defense going up against them for years to come. Moving forward now, the next key moment in the game was when Kiko Alonso, who had a career day today against the New York Jets, it was his 50th career start. He recorded 13 solo tackles and two forced fumbles, marking single-game career highs in both categories. The last Dolphin to have 13 solo tackles or more in a game was safety Jeremiah Bell, who recorded 14 against San Diego on October 2nd, 2001. Alonso's 13 solo tackle performance is tied for the fourth most in team history. Alonso is the first Dolphins player with two plus forced fumbles in the same game, same game since defensive end Cameron Wake had two versus the New York Jets on November 6, 2016. Now Alonzo forcing that fumble when it was Sam Darnold had just completed a pass short left to Roby Anderson to the New York Jets 46 for seven yards. Kiko Alonzo comes up from behind, knocks it out, recovered by Raekwon McMillan at the New York Jets 49. Obviously no gain. Replay official reviewed it, ruled it. Uh, yes, it was a fumble and a recovery for Miami. The Dolphins go from there. Jakeem Grant, five yards. Ryan Tannehill passed short middle to Albert Wilson for 29 yards. That is the touchdown there and 14 points total at that point off of turnovers for the Dolphins. Sutton, that whole sequence there, what were you thinking? What were your thoughts? How did it help shape the game? I mean, that was the name of the game right there. The first two scoring opportunities that we had were generated from turnovers. And that's one thing that you love to see out of your teams is you capitalize on those opportunities. We were able to get good field position from those turnovers and we converted into 14 points. And that was huge to start off the game. You know, a good play by Kiko being able to strip the wide receiver after he caught the ball, Raekwon pounced on it. And then when you look at the, the, the passing completion to Albert Wilson, Look like a drag route. Tannehill fit it into what looked like an extremely tight window from first glance over the middle of the field. Wilson uh, able to get the catch and get outside from his defender. And once he made that first person miss, there was no one else there. He went right up the sideline in for the touchdown. And to be able to go up 14 nothing at that point with the offense not doing, like you said, not doing anything incredible at that point, but just simply being opportunistic. Those are the types of games, uh, especially in a division game on the road, that you like to see your offense be able to convert those things. Another key moment in the game for the Miami Dolphins was right before the end of the first half. Let's set the scene for you here. 41 seconds to go. The Dolphins just scored a touchdown up 14-0. to zero. We're feeling good. We're looking great. We think we're going to go into halftime easily up 14 to zero. 
announcers on CBS saying Jets should just kneel, kneel it, go into halftime, come out with the ball. But the Jets did not do that. So 41 seconds in, Sam Darnold passed deep middle to Terrell Pryor to the Miami 31 for 44 yards. The Jets started at their own 25 after a touchback. Timeout taken by the Jets, 30 seconds now on the clock. First and 10, Sam Darnold passes incomplete short right to Roby Anderson. 26 seconds on the clock, second and 10. Darnold passes left to Chris Herndon to the Miami 14 for 17 yards. Timeout number three, 16 seconds left. Darnold incomplete pass to Quincy Anunua. 10 seconds left, no timeouts. Sam Darnold passes short middle to Chris Herndon to the Miami two for 12 yards. At this point, it looked like Herndon was going into the end zone with clock expiring. But Rashad Jones, Pro Bowl safety, one of the captains for today's game, hits Herndon, makes him fumble, which was just enough to make him stutter step to take a split second to catch the ball in the air. And then Bobby McCain comes in and finishes him off with the tackle at the one-yard line. Time expires on the clock. Now, had the Jets scored there, it's 14-7. Jets are going into the locker room. They're going to come out after halftime. Could have very easily tied up the game at that point. But I think that was a big moment, big, big moment for the Dolphins at the end of the first half. Yeah, I think it's going to go unnoticed how, you know, how big that play was there. I mean, the Jets could have scored there. They could have went into halftime with all the momentum, and the Dolphins ended up stopping them. Rashad Jones with the initial hit, and then Bobby McCain came to clean things up. Uh, I, for one, was on the edge of my seat. I was excited. I saw that they had no timeouts left, and all I wanted was for him to just go down because I knew if he did that, the you know, we'd be at halftime and the Dolphins would be up 20 nothing. So uh, that that play is going to go down. It's going to be part of the reason this team ended up winning this game. I mean, if they score there, who knows what happens later in the game. I mean, they probably still would have been down a point, but at the end of the day, I mean, if they didn't stop them there, uh, Jets go into the half 27, and things could be a lot different. So I think that's a – a play that's going to go kind of unnoticed throughout the week. Uh, many might not talk about it, but it was pretty big how big of that stop that was down there. And uh, you just got to hand it to Rashad Jones to buy him a game because if Herndon gets in there, uh, things could have been different. Now we talked about the offense being a bit sloppy throughout the game. Ryan Tannehill having issues back there behind this offensive line with Ted Larson coming in for Josh Sitton, who was out for the year. It was noticeable. It was definitely noticeable on in the passing game. In the running game, it wasn't very noticeable, but the passing game, it absolutely was. Ryan Tannehill was pressured quite a bit today. In that third quarter, after coming out, uh, the Jets threw a touchdown, 14-7. Dolphins get the ball back. At their own 29, he's sacked for minus 12 yards, but he fumbles on the play, recovered by the Jets. Very next play, Sutton. Sam Darnold aiming for the end of the end zone, back of the end zone, Xavier Howers with a great acrobatic catch, catches the ball. It was a laser, catches the ball, gets both feet in towards the back of the end zone. Interception. The Dolphins end up driving just a bit, ends up punting it away, but flips the field completely. Um, they ended up getting it to 20, and then they, a few plays later, they ended up punting it. And Matt Hack, Matt Hawk, who had a great game today, really, really great game, and he won't get noticed much because he's a punter, but the game of football is all about flipping the field. Matt Hawk punts the ball 48 yards in the New York Jets seven. And then from there, the Jets end up punting it away as well. So Sutton, you know, looking at that sequence of events again, they could have tied it up right there. It could have been a completely different ball game. 
Jets at home would have all the momentum in the world going that way. Now that interception by Xavier Howard, it was his fifth interception in his last seven games dating back to the 2017 season. He recorded consecutive multi-interception games in week 13 and 14 of last season when they played Denver and New England. But Sutton, going back to that momentum thing, huge, huge spot for the Dolphins there to just turn the tide just as quickly as the Jets thought they were turning the tide. One thing you can say about Adam Gase football teams is they're a resilient group. I mean, we have shown plenty of situations where we've been resilient. And week one was we, we saw things where the defense got the ball right back for us after we had just uh, made a poor play on offense. So you saw that same thing this week versus the Jets. The Tannehill fumble was just one of those fluky things. It looked like the ball just slipped out of his hands for no reason. I mean, it wasn't raining there. There wasn't anything to suggest that the ball should be slippery, anything, again, just kind of fell out of his hands and uh, just a crappy play to see unfold. But then you just see Xavier kind of slip inside on the route and be able to get two feet in bounds. I can't reiterate how hard that must have been. Um, the angle that he had, I thought, when I first saw it live, that he didn't get that first foot in bounds. But when you – when you look back, he was able to secure that ball pretty quickly. He got that left foot inbounds, was able to get that right foot inbounds, and just such a huge, huge play. That probably, in my opinion, was the most important game. or I, I'm sorry, the most important play for the Dolphins. Certainly, like I said, a defining moment there. Dolphins had Dolphins NYC and met like takeover in the stadium, but had the Jets tied the game up right there and then, I think we could have been looking at a very different outcome for this game today, but it was not to be. You're right. The Dolphins have a lot of uh, battle-tested strength and know how to fight through adversity. They had the ultimate test last week for this season with the longest game in NFL history. Some more today with the offense not being really able to do much or just enough to win the game, but the defense really carrying the load for today's game. Last week, it was more so the offense you know, getting things moving here and there, but they like to balance each other out. And also special teams had a huge day, like I just mentioned as well. Let's flash to the end of the game here. Dolphins are only up 20 to 12. So eight points, one touchdown and a two point conversion for the New York Jets is all they need to tie the game. 556 remaining, plenty of time for the Jets to stop the clock and lead a drive downfield. And they were completing the long passes. Sam Darnold, like I said, at the top of the show, looking downfield to attack all the time. So let's set the scene here. Jason Myers of the New York Jets kicks a field goal to make it 20 to 12. Dolphins 556 remaining. Few run plays. Kenny Drake begins to drive with a 20-yard run. Frank Gore then follows up with a five yards. Ryan Tannehill then with a scamper for 14 yards. And then Kenyon Drake pushed out of bounds from negative seven yards. And then Kenyon Drake, negative two yards. So now. Jets take a timeout, 3.36 remaining. And now here's where it all comes into playhouse. Third and 19 from the New York Jets, 45. Probably, you know, I'm thinking as I'm sitting on my sofa here watching the game, if the Dolphins are able to get about five, seven yards, kick a field goal, you're still pretty much icing the game here, right? Because then that puts you up 23 to 12. That puts you ahead by 11. Uh, there's likely not enough time for the Jets to come back after that. But Dolphins take a timeout. Ryan Tannehill, the pocket is collapsing around him. Everything is going chaos around him. He stands comfortably in there tall, and then his arm gets hit. 
which is why you saw a wobbly short pass to Frank Gore that almost hits the ground. But Frank Gore picks it up, runs up the middle for 19 yards to get a first down for Miami. And then Frank Gore runs it for another four yards, then no gain. And then Ryan Tannehill, third and six. Read option, keeps himself, scampers to the right, and gets a first down. And that basically ends the game. Three more kneels downs after that. Now, how I said, you know, you could have kicked the field goal there. But Frank Gore, just a tremendous, tremendous game for him in terms of what he did in the clutch moments. He was nine attempts for 25 yards on the ground. He recorded that eight-yard run in the third quarter to surpass Hall of Famer Curtis Martin for fourth place on the NFL all-time rushing list. Next up in front of him is Barry Sanders and then Walter Payton and Emmett Smith. What company to be with. Amazing. By starting on Sunday versus the Jets, he extended his consecutive game started to 110, the longest active streak by an NFL offensive skill player. He also extended his consecutive game streak play to 114, which is also the longest by an NFL offensive skill player. And that 19-yard gain with just over three minutes remaining that we just talked about, it sealed a victory for the Miami Dolphins. How it's your thoughts on that play and Frank Gore in general? Yeah, what great company to be a part of. It was pretty awesome that he went up there to MetLife and broke Curtis Martin's record. Uh, fourth all-time leading rusher, 14,112 yards. I mean, that that's big company to be in. You got Barry Sanders up there, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith. Those are the guys in front of him. So Frank Gore, he's one of the all-time greats. Uh, we're happy to have him as a Dolphin, but... Sutton mentioned that last play that may go down as the key to the game. For me, it's this play. I mean, you said it best. The pocket collapsed. You saw the – I think it was the right side of the offensive line seemed to deteriorate there. And, I mean, they were right in Tannehill's face. Tannehill eluded pressure, sidestepped the initial man, and then stepped up in the pocket and threw that duck, which you said his hand was hit. It was low. I thought, honestly, I thought it skipped off the ground and Frank Gore was just running. I thought there was going to be a whistle blown and, you know, the refs were going to call it back. But, I mean, Frank Gore made a hell of a catch. Tannehill was able to sidestep pressure and make a heck of a throw. And no bigger play in this game was that. I mean, that was a third and 19, I believe. Frank Gore got all of those 19 yards. I mean, in that situation, you're sitting here, like you said, you're you're hoping for a field goal, but this is the Miami Dolphins. I mean, you thought maybe they run a draw or something. Adam Gase might throw a screen pass and, you know, get negative yards. But best case scenario would have been a field goal, and they end up picking up 19 yards on a key third down. Uh, it was just a heck of a play. You see what Ryan Tannehill does for this team. Uh, Jay Cutler's not making that throw. He's not sidestepping that pressure when the pockets collapse in his face. I mean, that's a big-time throw from a big-time player. Uh, Frank Gore, heck of a grab. I mean, like I said, I thought the ball touched the ground. I thought it skipped like, you know, when you're throwing rocks across a pond, but he just scooped that thing up. He made every play that he could there, and uh, the Dolphins ended up winning the game. You mentioned that Ryan Tannehill kept that ball and kind of sealed the deal. I mean, let's give it up for him. I mean, he had one heck of a game. I think he uh, outrushed the entire New York Jets team with 47 rushing yards to their 42. So uh, it was nice to see the training wheels come off. I mean, we knew the knee was might be an issue heading into the season, but Ryan Tannehill's mobility, that's kind of one of those things that goes on is a bit underrated with him, and you saw it a lot today. You saw the Dolphins kind of give him those opportunities in the read-pass option. Uh, it was nice to see Ryan Tannehill out there. He made a heck of a throw, and Frank Gore made one heck of a play. Now the Miami Dolphins 2-0 to start the season. The 20-0 lead going into halftime there. That marks the seventh time the Dolphins led a road game by 20-plus points at halftime since 1991 and the first time since October 28, 2012 at the Jets. The last time the Dolphins held a halftime lead of 20 points or more. It was October 25th, 2015, 
and they led Houston 41-0. to Some other quick notes from today's game, 78,000 roughly in attendance at MetLife Stadium. A couple thousand of those were from Dolphins fans of the MetLife Takeover, and yes, we heard you on TV nice and loud. Fireman Ed, take a seat. Quarterback Ryan Tannehill has now thrown two-plus touchdowns in each of his last three games and in six of his past seven contests. Robert Quinn, defensive end, traded from the Rams for peanuts. His sack in the second quarter was his first as a member of the Dolphins. Albert Wilson, A.J. Derby both caught their first touchdown passes in a Dolphins uniform in the second quarter. Wilson increased at that time the Miami lead to 13 on a 29-yard reception, while Derby later made it 20-0 by working himself free in the end zone for a 19-yard catch. Cornerback Cornell Armstrong made his NFL debut, and Bobby McCain played in his 50th career game. McCain had four solo tackles and one pass defense on the day. Other players making a strong showing. Minka Fitzpatrick, as usual. Cameron Wake, a little quiet in the stat sheet, but he has been creating some havoc up front. Just keep your eyes on the defensive line. Don't always watch the ball. You'll notice a lot more things going on in the game, and I think the game might be a lot more enjoyable for you all as well. TJ McDonald, um, you know, some some good plays, some bad plays, but that's TJ McDonald for you. He needs to just get more consistent, and if he can get consistent every single week, the trio of him, Rashad, and Minka with Xavier and Bobby on the outside, that's going to be one hell of a secondary to deal with on a weekly basis. How Sutton, any last thoughts before we wrap up the show? Man, just sitting here sipping on a small batch single malt right now, I'm just very thankful to be 2-0 and sitting here with you guys in the studio Dan Orlovsky comes on our show and gets a promotion. Quentin Poling gets engaged. Igor Smith comes on our show. And (laughs) MetLife Takeover is a success. So what do you know? Another reason that you should be listening to Finsider Radio. Listen to Finsider Radio. Only good things will happen. Yeah, all homer aside, I mean, we all think going into this game, I mean, after that performance the Jets had against the Lions, that this might have been uh, a tough battle and the Dolphins just went out there and they served their dominance early. You would have liked to see a better second half out of them, but ultimately they held on a uh, 20 to 12 victory. I mean, we, we knew this team was better than what the national media might've said. You know, they kept saying this is, you know, power rankings, 32nd overall bottom five team in the NFL. We knew they were better than that, but to see them come out and perform uh, these first two weeks, I mean, this is something to be excited about. I mean, we head into, we head back home, we take on the Oakland Raiders who, I mean, they have looked, uh, pretty woeful early on this season. So, I mean, this team has a legit chance of starting out 3-0, and and whether they do, I mean, even if they lose next week, I mean, we should be thankful for the start they had. And I'm just happy to have Ryan Tannehill back. I'm happy to see what this football team has in store for us because uh, early on it looks very promising. Mention the Raiders coming to town from the West Coast next Sunday, September 23rd. Listen, after that you got the Patriots, right? We all know what that game is going to mean for the Dolphins. If they enter that game 3-0, the Dolphins are going to be looking to make it 4-0 and then kind of start changing the tide there. Even if the Dolphins, like you said, how it's lose to the Raiders next week, if they can go in 2-1 against New England and come out with a victory and become 3-1 and knock the Patriots off, again, the conversation starts changing and the tide starts turning just a bit. But if the Dolphins go 3-0 or they lose next week and go 2-1, and then lose to the Patriots, it's still going to be okay. The Dolphins need to take that next step. They need to get up there. They need to knock off the Patriots. But listen, nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, nobody outside of Miami expected the Dolphins to be 2-0 right now. People inside the building, people who cover the team daily, thought it was crazy that the national media was saying that they'd only win three, four, or five games. 
I think we're seeing that the people who cover the team on a daily basis just might know what they're talking about. That's going to do it for us here on Finsider Radio in this recap edition for certain the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD. I am MC Money. We will talk to you Wednesday morning. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Hello, you are listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.